A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to Unheard, I'm Florence Reed. From Picasso's Guernica to Lenin's Give Peace a Chance, where there is war, there will always be anti war artists. But after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, is anti war art actually just pro Putin propaganda? Well, Peter Seaton is an Australian street artist who's found himself caught up in this very question. He joins us live from Melbourne. Hi, Peter, welcome to Unheard. Hi, how are you going? So I'll briefly run through the background here of your story to catch our audience up. You designed a mural of two soldiers embracing, one Ukrainian and one Russian, called Peace Before Pieces, which you painted on the side of a building in Melbourne. We'll show it here on the screens for our viewers. It looks pretty harmless to me, but pictures of that mural found their way to social media, as they often do, and a backlash ensued, ending in the Ukrainian ambassador to Australia demanding that you remove it. He claimed that it created a sense of false equivalency between victim and aggressor. So, Peter, take it from here. Was the response to your mural a shock? It it was a shock. Um, I did, I did. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting the Ukrainian ambassador to sort of chime in about it. Um, it. I think it was definitely sad that so many people tried to put the lens that they had around the artwork in front of what I'd actually put there. And it's it sadly maybe distorted some people into thinking that I'd done something wrong. Let's take that lens away. And, and in your own words, what, what was the piece about? What I'm trying to communicate is to, it's almost like a meditation on all war. And the, the element of war, which is often referred to as dehumanization. Uh, so when two, two factions are at war, they will often tend to dehumanize the other for survival because you... If you're blowing up the other person, you literally need to think of the human as the enemy. And there's a great Black Mirror episode about that. Um, I'm, I don't know if you've seen it, but the the, the dehumanization is a real thing in war. Um, and then it helps soldiers just be better killers. Um, and so my whole art work, my approach with this was to um, bring the human element back into like a conflict um, and to essentially show like on the most fundamental level, we are love, like, and I deeply believe that and know that on a, from a deeper place in me that all the fear and all the, the bad things about us are just layers on top of that, that love, which we are. And so, I mean, if you look at the artwork, there's all these lines. And so I sort of use these lines to symbolize uh, like this, this whole idea of like a love simula simulation, you know, and that beyond all of these physical fear layers, there is an aspect of us which exists in a more higher plane of existence that um, we don't fully know and understand yet, but some of us do, and some of us speak about it, um, and the great sages and, and mystics speak about it. Um, and this is particularly what I'm referring to with that sections, those sections there with the color in the middle. It's 
that even though these two soldiers are literally blowing the hell out of each other, they are actually coming from the same source, like on a deep, deep level. So that's kind of what the artwork is about. It's like a meditation on on that element of, um, you know, dehumanization and, you know, not to give the Russians a pass for what they've done or anything like that, but more just and and as well, like I, I just want to respond to like, you know, this guy I've been messaging him on Instagram, the ambassador, and he is telling me basically that all Russians are rapists. And I'm like, dude, that's racist. Like, that's not true. Like, you can't like there's definitely Russian so I've been to missed messages from people who've just missed conscription, but they're luckily they had uh, medical issues wrong with them, so they couldn't they they weren't otherwise they would be in a trench right now, you know? And this guy was, you know, like so these some of these soldiers don't want to be there they don't want the war to happen not everyone and you know like so i mean maybe obviously there is people there but to say all russian soldiers are rapists and it's just a really big stretch because i'm sure there are there's there's reports of, of russian soldiers getting there and running away and stuff like you know all sorts of things not, not wanting to fight so do, you, do know, you think like, he might have uh, proved your point a little bit about the dehumanization of, of war that 100 percent. i mean it makes him look like a racist that's what i thought you know like if anyone has any brain will actually go actually no that's not right you know like so this backlash happened the ukrainian ambassador said this about your work you've had a back and forth with him it seems but then you apologized and effectively re retracted the the work by covering it over i mean i've seen an image of it being painted over why did you do that then if you have such strong principles? Well, I always talked to a lot of friends and like they had never really been through any like, but I've had other friends who like, you know, artists like big controversial artists as well, who subsequently after all this told me like I should never have done that. But like at the time it was all blowing up and that like all these media organizations and blah, blah, blah. And people, my friends were like, oh, I think, you know, you need to do an apology and do it like, and I was like, because they, you know, know me and they know that's not my intention, what the lens that they skewed on it. So like, oh, you should, you know, do a video and all this. And I was like, okay, sweet. So if there, if there hadn't been so much social pressure on you from like social media and, and these really prominent public figures, you, you wouldn't have, have covered it up. This was because of the backlash that you did this. But yeah, I do. I do think like, I don't, I shouldn't have caved because it sort of gave the message that I did the wrong thing. And that I came from the wrong, that I was like trying to be provocative and I was trying to hurt people and that like, or I don't know, I don't know what people are going to think, but you know, it's art and like. I mean, it's not just art, it's it's street art. I mean, formerly you might've called it gra graffiti art in the like nineties and early noughties. It's a anti-establishment, anti-capitalist kind of art form. The point is in, in, in the early days, at least it was about in, in some way defacing public property. That was the origins of this kind of movement. Now, obviously it's become much more I suppose embedded in city art and governments have got on board and they seem to like people putting big murals on their buildings. But maybe that's a problem. Maybe this is also down to a problem in the way that art has become less and less controversial, anti-establishment. Yeah. And now a so, government like the Australian government or the, the Melbourne local government can say, no, no, we, we don't want this piece of graffiti on our building, where in the old days, I suppose the response would be, well, fuck you, I don't care, you know? And now you as a street artist has to take that into account because you have in some way been brought into the machine a little bit because of the nature of how street art has changed. Do you, do you think I, I've got a point there? No, I think it's a valid point. Yeah, I mean, because and think about this, like I've just worked for like the council in the area, like, and they've just commissioned me to do a big work and stuff. So um, like I've, 
you know, there's been backlash from the council that like from people who are just like literally probably this Ukrainian community who are like attacking them, you know what I mean? And like, and just like sending the messages and, you know, like, so, so they get like, you know, they get people coming at them and then they have to go, oh shit, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I've found out that, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, made it that way up the chain, um, to the, to the local council. And yeah, I mean, I think people, it's, you know, you know, that's the, that's the thing. Like there is a removal now with a lot of the street art you see in Melbourne. It's all like, just don't just do something that no one is triggered by, you know, like, it's all like, just, it's, it's all like, I mean, it's a oh, long like, way from Banksy, isn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah, a long way from Banksy. And, you know, people are so scared in this day and age to get cancelled and so scared to like say something and offend people. And like, you know, obviously, you know, no one, is, yeah, I mean, people are going to take things in different ways. Like, it's just, it's art. It's all about perception. It's like, it's a mirror for your own beliefs. And especially if you're like a warmonger, it's going to like trigger you and you're going to like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to want to see it removed. So, right. Like, so let's, let's return to the actual mural then you speak there about if you're a warmonger do, do you think that the australian government who have been criticizing you are, are warmongers do you think involvement in ukraine is a warmongering exercise what's what's your take why, why do you think that they have such a problem with it well i mean it's just because they're like you know they're they're obviously taking the approach of like the nato approach and all of that and like they're taking the whole like you know these are you know they're they're, they're sending like weapons and stuff and they're doing all that sort of thing and so they've got to like you know be perceived that they care about the ukrainians they're also opening refugee ports and funnels for for ukrainian people coming in um uh and so it's like you know they're, they're maybe trying to put an image up that they care and everything and then so perhaps i mean i i don't know like it's actually it's not i don't i honestly don't think that australian politicians would be as offended as perhaps this ukrainian ambassador because they're not so immersed in the like i mean sure there are i mean don't get me wrong they probably are but yeah I well just, i suppose to, I, yeah, I suppose I, to represent that perspective then and to push back a little bit if you are a ukrainian person living in melbourne and, and you see the mural that that you created i suppose it doesn't feel great i obviously understand that but the thing is people people who say that they just look at the static image of the two soldiers hugging and they think that that is the artwork but the artwork is the animation, you know, it's like the artwork is titled Peace Before Pieces, you know, and it's an animation of two soldiers hugging and then a nuclear bomb going off in the background and killing everyone and killing the whole world. It's like, that's the message, you know what I mean? Like it's Peace Before Pieces. So if they're getting triggered by that, they're going to like actually see that there is a serious matter at play here when you're dealing with two nuclear superpowers in the in the world and you know we've got to be bring more awareness to the fact that if you know we keep sending billions of dollars to fight this war it's you know is that really gonna is it is there gonna be a nuclear consequence of that i don't know you know i'm just asking the question and many experts believe we should be worried many do um and it's and again, so then they take like just the art, like the, the mural that I did and they don't put it in the context of the full artwork, which is an NFT um, and is an animation. Uh, and, you know, so that is 
So again, that's like a failure to fully comprehend the work if they're going to just see the, the static element to it. This whole controversy seems to kind of revolve around, a, I suppose, a mismatch between two perspectives, which is this old anti-war approach, which is that all war is bad, irrespective of the situation, and that all... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. War must be resisted in all cases, and I suppose a new cause-based politics where people take on a certain cause, in this case the cause of the Ukrainians, and they follow that through. And there is no overarching utopian idea about, you know, war being bad at all times. And that seems to be a relic of the past now, of like the 70s. It feels very Woodstock to have people talking about give peace a chance. I think a lot of people don't want war. I mean, look at the data. It shows you it's the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone. You know what I mean? Like the, it, it just destroys the environment. It destroys people. It destroys cultures. It destroys artifacts. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like there's no justification for war. But at the same time, you know, obviously if someone's invading you, like you need to sort of defend yourself. And, you know, I'm not trying to give say that they shouldn't defend themselves, but you know, it's eight months down the track of defending themselves and the loss of life is huge. You know, on, on the Ukrainian side, it's horrific, you know, absolutely horrific. There's, you know, the, the I'm sure there's innocent Ukrainians that have been killed in hundreds of thousands. There's probably thousands of innocent Russian speaking people who have been killed and, and traumatized and as, as well, you know, so the, the, the point is to de-escalate that, you know, and to look at that at the point we're at in the war. I think it's, you know, it's a fair, it's a fair um, approach. And especially when a lot of people around the world are suffering from this war as well, economically, and there's going to be famine and all sorts of things that come from it. You know, why continually, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire and expecting it to be put out. I suppose it's it's easy for you and I, though, to sit here, me in a studio in London and, and you in a, in a bedroom in Melbourne and talk about 
putting down the weapons and hugging each other on the battlefield. But obviously the reality is different. Do you think there's a naivety to a layperson's understanding of, of what's going on in Ukraine? Peace negotiations need to be talked about more. There's no communication between the sides. That's how war ends in general. There's negotiations of peace and they find they communicate and they find a resolve, you know, and that. But peace negotiations are not something that feels like they're particularly on the table anymore. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I did the piece, you know. So how do you think your position as an artist actually factors into this de-escalation? Do you think that you have a responsibility to be challenging the normative kind of uh, narrative around we must give weapons support and cultural support to Ukraine? Do you think that there is something about the role of the artist that needs to be challenging those assumptions. I mean, people are saying to me, I'm hearing a lot of people saying, you don't know what's going on in Ukraine. You're not over there. You're just some white boy who's in Australia, lives a cushy life and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hang on, like, I've got family in Europe. I've got family all over, you know, and I know I'm sure there's, a, I speak for a lot of people in Europe and stuff like that. If a nuclear bomb goes off, it affects me just as much as it affects a Ukrainian, as it affects a Russian, as it affects uh European as it affects America, like it's going to affect the whole world. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, you see these things in, in violence as well. It's like, uh, you know, people were trying to bring it back to street to, to, to defense, like an, on the street as well. It's like, so if you, if you're a super, super amazing, um, super talented and, you know, can really defend yourself a martial artist, for example, the and, and, or a military guy, even these guys know this, if you get like, if some gangsters come up and want to like fight you on the street, what's the first thing you do is run away. That's what they say. They say, run away, de-escalate the situation. And you know, then, you know, like it's not worth it. And because if you smash them all, they're going to come back and shoot you. You know, it's like, that's just like one, like, you know, so it's a similar principle that's happening on a global scale. Like if we just, you know, I mean, that's, so I, I, mean, I suppose I, someone might say that if we run away, if we, say to Ukraine, just give Russia what it wants, give Putin the Donbass, for example, and, and we'll make happy and then we can move on. Well, I suppose the door is left open for a future invasion that sweeps across the whole of Ukraine and possibly even further. So the question there is how do we, in our kind of rhetoric around war and the anti-war movement, how do we minimize the chance of future wars? I mean, again, communication, you know, like the President Biden's refused to communicate with with Putin, like they're not like Zelensky, they don't communicate. So how do you think anything's going to be resolved through negotiations? It's all been put off the table, and you know, they, oh yeah, this war might wage for another year, and blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's gone on since 2014. It's not like it just it, it's been there's been massive shelling in that area for a long time. You know what I mean? If you research it and you know like the the history about that, you know about the Ukraine and what happened, you know, Maidan and everything, you know, like it, it, it's a, there's a big story there. Even if that's not possible, I'm glad I just put a message out of possibility of that and had people envision something like that. And look, even my hope was like, what if Russian politicians who are the, you know, the ones who are causing all this um, invasion and everything, what if they saw it and, you know, and what if Russian people saw it? You said before that you, you do regret painting over over the mural and, and apologizing. What do you think this says about the future of anti-war art in general if artists are bowing to the pressure of these kind of social media mobs? I don't see enough anti-war art at all in this day and age. I mean, people, 
or at least I mean art yeah art is it is, it is very it's the, it's very much under the spell of like this kind of social media mob thing and not wanting to like kind of create a pile on effect so it does it does actually not create as good art because there has to be a sort of sense of freedom to create really good art and and that scene you know it's like that that's that's a thing you know and if people are like so beholden to the the, the opinions of every single person nothing will ever be created that that has any kind of like reflection for humanity to kind of look at itself you know and kind of go yeah i mean it's just it'll it's also it that your thing. your piece of art for me seems almost comically harmless in the sense that it is obviously a piece about love and understanding and it's almost funny that this has caused such an outrage because it would seem like such an obvious thing that everyone could kind of get behind. Yes, of course we would like to give peace a chance in Ukraine, but the problem is here, it seems to be that any, any stepping out of line is actually deemed so irresponsible that it doesn't matter if it's a, a tiny incursion or something massive. You are treated as if you are totally beyond the pale. It's absolutely insane. So yeah, when people say things like that and try and paint me as, you know, doing something like very um, off the mark and whatever else, you know, that's, you know, that's on them at the end of the day, because people, so many people, especially in the UK and stuff like that from the BBC and all that they saw in the Daily Mail, 90% of the comments were positive. Like they saw what I'm trying to achieve. They, just, they saw that this is a message of peace. Lots of people in Australia saw it as well. You know, it's just only when people like start to go, well, that doesn't actually fit the current thing. So I'm going to I'm going to slander this and get on the, the pylon. And then, you know, they, lo and behold, you have, you know, a situation like what happened to me, you know. But look, it's good. It's um, I'm learning how to handle these situations now because it's, you know, it's, it's pretty overwhelming when there's like 20, 30 articles written about your art around the world. And you're kind of like, holy shit, you know um and then you know they're trying to or a lot of them are like trying to say they're you're offensive and it's it kind of is funny because i think most people like go utterly offensive and then they look at the artwork and it's like well it's just two people hugging like that you know and they're kind of like oh uh you know so it's it's funny i mean we'll see we'll see what the uh how it all goes but you know at the end of the day um you know i stick by my decision to paint it and it was a good decision um I didn't want to hurt anyone at all. Um, and I do think like the message of peace needs to be put out there. And uh, again, coming back to the, you know, throwing gasoline on a fire and expecting it to be put out. It's just, you know, peace is the water in the situation, you know? Well, and also the person throwing the water has historically been artists. That's been the role of artists during wartime is to create pieces that challenge the narrative. I would say that we're moving into a very scary dystopian future if everyone is self-censoring because they're worried about the mob or you know how whoever else is going to look at your work and you know pile in your comment section you know i, I think we're, we're going to be in for a real real nightmare you know like if 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 we don't have some element of free speech you know um, especially a free speech for talking about peace you know like it's crazy it's not all bad like i've just had so many amazing messages from people as well that so it does give me a bit of hope that there are people out there that are thinking um as well and thinking critically and also understand art and understand the role that art has always played throughout history and 
you know, de-escalating conflict. And, you know, look at John Lennon, look at Muhammad Ali, look at all these people who protested these wars that we've subsequently found out didn't need to be waged. Do you think there's a chance in 10, 20, 50 years time that we'll look back on this time and, and, and think differently about it? You've already seen that to a certain degree more as time goes on, there is less war. I mean, you'd like to think so. But then, then there's also a lot of wars that are happening now that no one knows about that have been, you know, fueled by massive empires. And I just hope that the the topic of censorship does get spoken about um, more and people realize more that we need to have the ability, we need to have free speech to actually have a functioning democracy because if we don't have free speech, then democracy doesn't exist, you know? Well, for the time being, at least people like us can can have these conversations for now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes me have faith in humanity when I can talk to people like you and have a rational conversation, you know? Well, I'm glad at uh, least we, we can do that. Small silver linings at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Nice I really one. appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Have a nice night. You too. Peace. That was Peter Seaton, mural artist cancelled for his artwork in Melbourne depicting two soldiers hugging on the battlefield. Seems like a strange turn of events when we have public officials piling on social media against an artist who just wants to voice his anti-war sentiment, but I guess that's where we're at. Let us know what you think in the comments, we'd love to hear it. Thanks for watching, this was Unheard. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.